Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. This week, the Daily Daf is being led by Rabbi Jill Jacobs, the Executive Director of Rabbis for Human Rights North America. When is a person ready to receive Torah? Now, we might think of a lot of spiritual answers. Perhaps when our mind is clear, perhaps after prayer or meditation. But the Talmud here is actually more concerned with the physical. Namely, how do we know that a person is physically pure, that is, that they have no live semen on their body. Now this discussion in the Talmud is an expansion of the Torah requirement that husbands and wives separate for three days before receiving the Torah. The verse that tells us that these couples separate launches the rabbis toward a conversation about how long semen remains alive. Where does this three-day number come from? So perhaps, they say, a woman who emits semen that's lingered in her body remains impure for three days. The suggestion is that her body keeps the sperm warm and therefore still capable of reproduction. On a man, they say, semen is considered to be active as long as it's wet. So in this biological discussion of the rabbis, they conclude that before Matan Torah, everyone must have had sex with their spouses at the exact same time and then everyone immersed at the same time and was clean on the same day. Therefore, there was no chance that some people would be on their way to receive Torah while others were on their way to immerse and to cleanse themselves. At first glance, it seems like too much information. Why do we need to know so much about the sex lives of the first generation that came out of Egypt? And why is it that the rabbis, in their conversation of Matan Torah, spend so much time trying to figure out when people might have had sex how long sperm can stay alive. And what do we make of the rabbi's rudimentary biology regarding the shelf life of sperm? Now, I see this as a rabbinic way of marking a clear before and after Matan Torah. Torah is often compared to life. So Torah grants new life to the generation whose souls have been sapped by the burden of slavery. At the same time, we know that this generation even as they receive new life through Torah, always remains partially tied to Egypt. That's why this generation can't enter the Promised Land, but instead must die in the desert. It's ultimately their children, who have no personal history of slavery, who aren't tainted with the memory of being slaves themselves, who can enter the land of Egypt. And so, By ensuring that there's no wayward sperm that's still alive at the time of Matan Torah, the rabbis want to make sure that there's a clear division between the generation of the desert, who get new lives through Torah, but who still somehow never get rid of their old lives, and the generation conceived after Matan Torah, who are born free of the stain of slavery. Now there's a side conversation here in this stuff about whether Jews or non-Jews can keep semen alive longer. Now, clearly, this doesn't fit with our modern sense of biology. And it also feels a little demeaning to think that somehow Jews' bodies and non-Jews' bodies are different. 
but bear with me for a moment. One rabbi here suggests that perhaps Jews are warmer because they observe mitzvot. Another counters, maybe non-Jews are warmer because they eat non-kosher creatures. There's no real resolution to this conflict, but I think that the question at hand is how and whether changes in our spiritual lives affect our physical bodies. We know, of course, that what we eat has an effect on our bodies, perhaps not to the point of changing our sperm warming mechanisms, but it makes sense that the rabbis might think that what we eat changes the way that our bodies behave. But the question is whether accepting Torah and creating a new spiritual life also has some sort of physical effect on us. Modern science has certainly taught us that there's a relationship between our physical bodies and our psychological state. The rabbis pose the question, is the generation that receives the Torah physically different once they take on their new spiritual state? This too much information conversation about the shelf life of sperm is just one means of suggesting that yes, in fact, our spiritual beings and our physical beings are intimately connected. So while we might not agree with their biology, we might ask ourselves, how is it that our own practice of Torah, our own spiritual practice, has an effect on who we are, has an effect on how we live our lives, and perhaps even has a physical effect on our bodies? I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.